Well, it, it's really a blessing that you did so, and, and I commend you. And uh, we'll get to, you know, what impact that has, beneficial impact that has on us as providers. But um, how do you advise NASH patients who are members of the Fatty Liver Foundation? Well, there's several uh, levels of people that we work with. Uh, the general education uh, is outreach to people that don't know they have NASH. So. And we spend a lot of effort to teach people that NASH exists, and we try to engage people in that. Uh, so that's a group that we work with. Then we have people who have been diagnosed. Uh, and when a person's diagnosed with NASH, and because it's so silent, they're usually diagnosed as stage four, and that's really scary. So we we cope with a lot of people that deal with the, uh, the fear at that point uh, when the doctor says you have cirrhosis and i'm sorry we have no treatment and you look that up and that says end-stage liver disease um, there's a lot of fear in that population uh, early on so we cope with giving people uh, information about the fact that uh, they do have some op some options and we um, try to calm calm them and, and uh, work with them but the fundamental part of our counsel is you know diet and exercise uh, lifestyle is what brought this to us uh, lifestyle is is why we have such an, an epidemic of nash so we tell people those things that we believe uh, lead to uh, NASH uh, in their diet and try to help them change that. Yeah, just to um, clarify for those who are new to this concept, NASH stands for non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. Um, it's called non-alcoholic because at first when doctors started to look at tissues from NASH patients under the microscope, they said, <clears throat> wow, this looks just like disease you get from drinking too much. Uh, and it turns out there are a lot of similarities in uh, the pathways that lead to damage from alcohol as they are from fat, but they're clearly totally separate diseases. Uh, and uh, I guess one of the challenges we face as uh, experts and clinicians and, of course, patients face is when uh, individuals hear the word cirrhosis or liver disease, they immediately think alcohol. And the majority of patients with liver disease, both in the country and the world, have completely unrelated causes for their liver disease, not only NASH, but also viral hepatitis uh, and other infections of the liver. Um, and so uh, there's so much lack of information, misinformation, um, that really it makes it very challenging both for patients and for providers to get to the truth. Uh, for those who have a recent diagnosis of NASH with fibrosis, and fibrosis refers to scarring, uh, what advice, Wayne, would you have for those patients? Uh, let's say somebody's just been recently diagnosed, what do they do next? Or what, do you, what would you recommend from the patient perspective? Well, our, our approach to, uh, to diet is basically in the simplest terms is don't eat anything white. Um, we basically uh, use a low carb, uh, high unsaturated fat, moderate uh, protein 
uh, diet, we focus on the unsaturated fats because they are the cleanest energy source for you and the least burden of work on the liver. Our approach to everything we throw at the liver is to try to get the liver to do as little work as possible. And um, by limiting carbohydrates, and then, and the big deal is sugar. I mean, sugar is uh, very, very uh, quickly goes to the liver and our table sugar is is particularly a problem because you know it's it's a combination molecule of uh, sucrose it's sucrose which is half glucose and half fructose and that gets you down into the chemistry but fructose is uh, very hard on the liver because liver is liver is almost the only organ that uh, can manage it and it turns it very quickly into fat and so when you overload your liver with uh, fructose and carbohydrates you uh, overwhelm its ability to process the fat and to move it to where it belongs and it gradually builds up in the liver and over time um, you get inflammation and then start to form scarring. So uh, I'm probably getting into Scott's world a little bit too much there, but our, um, our approach to diet is really to, on top of the um, uh, concentration on unsaturated fats, it's lots of vegetables. It, it really is true that your grandma was right. Eat your vegetables and the more vegetables you eat, the less stress you have on your liver. So you made some great points, Wayne, and let me just expand on them. Um, so first of all, the vast majority of patients with NASH are overweight. And so for those patients, uh, weight loss is a mainstay of treatment. It's of course not the only treatment. There's, uh, as we know, a number of companies that are testing medications. And part of the reason is because you are an exception in another way, Wayne. You're one of maybe the 5% of patients who can sustain meaningful weight loss. Uh, most diets can, particularly extreme diets, can induce weight loss. But if you cannot sustain that weight loss as a patient, you're not really benefiting as one would hope because NASH is a lifelong uh, uh, ailment. And so the weight loss can't be temporary. And then going back to... Uh, uh, weight going up because that will reignite the problems that led to the fatty liver or NASH in the first place. And so uh, we always counsel weight loss and exercise. There's lots of data. You mentioned some of it. Um, it may also be that the, uh, the diet can influence the nature of the bacteria in our intestine, the so-called microbiome. And while this is still very early in terms of how much we understand, I'm personally based on my uh, read of the literature, extremely intrigued at the contribution of the microbiome. And of course it becomes chicken and egg. Does a microbiome change how much you want to eat uh, or does your diet improve or worsen the microbiome? And it's probably a little bit of both. But um, certainly if you compare all the exciting drugs that are being developed, the one that checks all the boxes is not a drug at all, but weight loss. And yet,
Um, as I mentioned, 95% of patients will not be able to have a sustained meaningful weight loss, even though the weight loss doesn't have to be dramatic. Uh, five or 10%, you said 30%, five or 10% weight loss uh, can uh, have very significant improvements in liver histology or what the liver looks like under the microscope, and we think that will translate into improved outcomes. Uh, so uh, I would also have to admit that um, there are many different ways to lose weight. I think you mentioned the critical ones in terms of reducing uh, uh, sugar and carbohydrates, and uh, there's no argument against that. Uh, but I personally think that uh, any way that works for the patient to get them to lose and sustain that weight loss is a good way to lose weight. Uh, but uh, the, the kind of diet you mentioned is certainly one of the most uh, attractive ones. But whatever works, as long as uh, the patient can sustain that weight loss and create a lifestyle that supports the new diet, not just something to do for a month or two or even a year, but rather to plan to reset lifestyle so that that diet uh, can uh, sustain weight loss over the long term. I think that's really the goal here. Um, but as I mentioned again, uh, you know, unfortunately, most patients cannot sustain that weight loss, and therefore there is a pretty urgent need to come up with uh, pharmacotherapy as well uh, to complement weight loss where the weight loss can't be sustained or is not sufficient enough. And then finally, for that 5 or 10% of patients who have so-called lean NASH, um, weight loss can't really be a very practical way to reverse NASH, and we're still trying to understand why some patients who have a normal weight still develop NASH. It seems to be a little bit more common in uh, Asia, particularly South Asia and the Far East, uh, but uh, we have so much to learn about the different causes of NASH and the determinants based on uh, not only our genetics, but also our diet and our environment. Oh, that's so true. I, um, I, I simplify it there uh, based on it for my experience. But, you know, the, the, one of the things that plagues us as people is that we have this short-term uh, mentality. And people think that what they do is go on a diet and that sometime they can come back to their regular life. But the, the decision that has to be made for NAJ is okay, I'm going to change for the rest of my life. And that's a very different mindset. And, and it really it requires that. You can't uh, have a, a short-term uh, perspective on this problem or, or you will fail. And that's, that's one of the things that leads us uh, so badly back to the yo-yo problem. So, Wayne, maybe I'll make a few comments about, um, you know, why I think uh, your efforts and the Fatty Liver Foundation are so critically important and fill an, an, a huge unmet need in the care continuum of patients with NASH. Um, and so I, I think, uh, you know, I want to compliment you because the Fatty Liver Foundation uh, creates and offers both to other patients as well as to providers and experts like us the patient perspective. Uh, which is absolutely vital to understand for many reasons. Most importantly, we will not get buy-in from patients uh, unless we have a genuine understanding of what their challenges are uh, in managing their diagnosis, managing their lifestyle and their diet. 
Um, and so learning more about the genuine patient perspective in a way that you're um, aggregating for uh, the community, I think is really, really critical. Um, and one of the challenges is in some ways, you ended up educating your provider. Uh, amazingly so, not so much Dr. Charlton, who was a liver expert, uh, but uh, unfortunately, the state of awareness and knowledge is very uneven around the country. It's well recognized among the liver experts, but by no means does that solve the problem. The vast majority of patients with NASH in this country or fatty liver disease of any type, because NASH is a more advanced part, there's also patients who just have fat, and that's called non-alcoholic fatty liver, and collectively it's called fatty liver disease. Um, but uh, the vast majority of patients with these conditions are being cared for by primary care doctors, uh, internal medicine doctors, in the case of women, OBGYN, who serve as their primary uh, provider. Uh, and so it's incumbent upon us as the liver experts in partnership with a patient viewing organization like the Fatty Liver Disease Foundation to get the knowledge out there and to educate the frontline providers who are seeing patients with NASH, uh, but don't realize it, to think about the diagnosis. Unfortunately, while a mild elevation of liver tests like AST and ALT can be a tip-off that the provider must be attuned to, the fact is that most patients, or certainly many patients with NASH, have normal liver tests. Um, and so when should a provider think about that? Well. Certainly in our practice now, uh, any patient with type 2 diabetes, meaning adult onset diabetes that's not necessarily insulin dependent, any patient with type 2 diabetes uh, should be at least considered as possibly having NASH, even if their liver tests are normal. Um, there's still a lot of debate about whether we should be doing fiber scans and ultrasounds in patients who are diabetic. I would argue yes, in the absence of more you know, confirmed uh, guidelines, uh, if it's my family, I want to make sure that they are assessed either with a fiber scan or maybe some of the serum blood tests uh, to determine if patients with type 2 diabetes are harboring underlying fatty liver disease. Certainly patients who have the full-blown metabolic syndrome with obesity, type 2 diabetes, um, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, for sure, I think those patients should be screened in some way. Um, ultrasound, unfortunately, is not really good at diagnosing fibrosis, it can diagnose fat in the liver, but that doesn't tell us whether there's additionally scarring and inflammation going on as well. So if we were to think about ways we could prevent the missteps that occurred during your diagnosis uh, journey, Wayne, I think the fundamental need is for better, better education, um, certainly primarily among physicians and nurse practitioners and uh, health professionals, but patients too, uh, should be aware. And one other critical point is that there's a remarkably strong um, familial connection to NASH. So patients who have very advanced NASH, their first degree relatives have a, about a 70% chance of also having advanced liver disease. And that speaks to two potential contributors. One is the genetics that they're related and they may harbor the same genetic tendency to develop fatty liver. But the second may be that if first degree relatives are sharing the same home and kitchen, they tend to develop the same microbiome. Regardless, if a patient is diagnosed with fatty liver disease, one should look to their first degree relatives as well and consider evaluating them as well. 